What's going on, everyone? I'm Paul from the Loader High Podcast, and in today's episode, I sit down with Tyler Cunnington to discuss a 2021 PLL college entry mock draft. Yeah, I know it's very early to start talking about this, but since lacrosse isn't going to be played for a while, I figured it would be fun to discuss potentially one of the most talented draft classes lacrosse has ever seen. Me and Ty had a really fun time discussing this topic since there's so much talent in this upcoming draft class. It was very interesting to see where we thought some of the top players might land. Also, remember to go check out Tyler's podcast. It's called The Behind the Back Pod. He talks all about lacrosse from interviewing the top names of the sport to discussing some of the most crucial parts of the game. Now, without further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, everyone. With me today, I have Yorktown alumni and host of the Behind the, Behind the Back podcast, Tyler Cunnington. Tyler, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Paul. I'm doing good. You know, just hanging out up at school, ready to uh, talk some shop about the PLL. Great. How's, the, uh, how's uh, school going for you right now? School's going, uh, it's all right. I mean, right now it's kind of just a bunch of uh, my friends up here hanging out, you know, being safe, though. You know, we went and got tested the other day uh, through the school, and uh, classes start September 8th for me, so i am kind of got a little more time left. So uh, kind of just waiting around for that. Uh, it's all going to be online, so it is what it is. That sounds great. Uh, did you get to play or watch any lax this summer? I was I was doing some pickup and uh, playing some, uh, you know, like fiddle axe in a, in a sense, you know, some three by and uh, uh, getting after it when I could. Once things sort of started to ease up a little bit, you know, obviously I was in lockdown like most of everyone else. But, you know, I, I watched every single game of the uh, PLL championship series, which was awesome and extremely entertaining. So that kind of consumed my life leading up to uh, coming back to school. So that was a good way to to uh, ease the uh, the boredom at home. So I was definitely thrilled to be able to watch uh, some after losing out on the college season for sure. So I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, who's your favorite team in the PLL? I came in kind of as a neutral fan, but I got, I probably leaned more towards the Chrome while during, while uh, watching the championship series. Um, probably more so because I have an alumni from my high school that plays on the Chrome, John Rannigan. He's a beauty um he's a super cool guy and you know just obviously want to support uh the alum so uh that kind of got me to always watch their games a little more intently and then with the guys that they added uh, i kind of really like the roster so uh, i'll probably lean towards chrome if i had to choose it certainly had a really good year after being coming in last place last year <laughs> yeah so uh you ready to get started yeah absolutely so today on the podcast, me and Tyler are going to do a PLL mock draft for the 2021 season. Uh, Tyler, what are some of your initial thoughts of this uh, upcoming draft class? You know, I think it, it's interesting because we were looking at this year's draft uh, to be probably one of the best, you know, and then because of COVID, it really threw a wrench into things with having that extra year put on the table for a lot of these players. So you saw some guys take that opportunity and other guys, you know, just running with it and going to, to play professionally, whether that was, you know, for the outdoor or the indoor game. Uh, so there's still plenty, plenty of, of really, uh, really good players in this year's draft, um, despite some guys going last uh, in this previous one in 2020. So I think there's, there's no shortage of talent, honestly, at every position. Uh, I think the attack is absolutely loaded and probably the most deep, um, as well as face-offs. Um, I think it's going to be um, – you know, uh, you know, I probably think those stick out more, 
than the others, but I think there's still a lot of good guys to go around in both the, the outdoor leagues and then obviously also the NLL too. Uh, who are some of your top players in each position? I think for attack, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, you know, you're looking at Jeff Teat and um, Michael Sowers, who I kind of view as a 1A, 1B pick. It really just comes down to who I think fits your personnel more and who's choosing him. Uh, you know, for the for the PLL, that's the Atlas going number one overall. So, you know, that's, that's figuring out who you think works better. Um, and, you know, also I think third – being Mac O'Keefe. I mean, he's pretty much the best shooter of all time. Um, and pretty much if they choose to run him out of the box or do whatever with him, you know, that's just another guy. It feels like you just can't let him slip uh, by you because then once the season starts, he's going to be putting four in the back of the net on you every game. Um, but, you know, beyond that, even you know, there's other guys you could argue like Chris Gray or even Charlie Bertrand, who's going to have a big year at, uh, at Virginia showcasing himself after being at Merrimack the last four years. Uh, and so there, there's a bunch of guys, but I would say those, those three, probably Teat Sowers and O'Keefe for my top three at attack midfield. I'd probably say Tromboli, uh, Jamie Tromboli from Cuse, Trey LeClaire, who you can argue is, you know, attack midi really either one. And then I say Tucker Dordovic as well. Um, it sucks. He didn't get another year after getting that injury and we don't know if he'll take another year or not, but I'll put him there for now. I think Connor Kirst could make another argument too from Villanova. Um, when they were having a really good year, he was definitely an integral part of that defense. I think you got JT Giles, Harris, Jared Connors, uh, you know, uh, Nick Cardile, or even Ryan McNulty for top three, you know, LSM, I say Brett Kennedy, maybe a Cody Smith from Towson. He was sort of lighting it up a little bit early on in the season. So that could have just be a flash in the pan, but, um, as far as LSMs go, I'd say at least Brett Kennedy, because um, despite me being a big Syracuse fan, I still think he's one of the best at that position. And uh, face-offs, you know, obviously TD Irland, I'd say Gerard Arceri and then Kyle Gallagher, uh, who's now at Notre Dame. And goalies, there aren't too many, just like we kind of saw in this year's draft. It was sort of like one or two guys maybe would go. Um, but for this, I'd probably say Drake Porter, uh, the self-proclaimed uh, Twitter god. And uh, Mike, Mike Adler, who's now on Duke, who could also, you know, similarly coming from a school like St. Joe's, be able to put himself on a display uh, at a school like Duke. So kind of a lot to throw out there, but those are kind of my top few names from each of the positions. Yeah, and I, I'd have to agree with most of you, that, uh, most of the stuff you said there, especially with the attack with uh, Sowers, Teet, and Gray. You also see in the attack position in like the entire draft class that there's a lot of lefty step-down shooters, uh, Jeff Teet. Uh, Mac O'Keefe, you even got Logan's, Logan Wisnowskis from Maryland, who's uh, proved to be like one of the best shooters in college across as well. Uh, going at the midfield, I put Jamie Triboli as one of the best. He's super fast. He's super quick. He could really make the defense slide to him. Trey Leclerc, like you said before, I think a guy people might be sleeping on is uh, Nakai Montgomery out of Duke. I think he's super quick, is super quick, super shifty. Um, he really hasn't, he didn't have such a productive year in 2020, but he did, he did show some light uh, here and there. Um, other guys that were notable at the midfield, uh, Jackson Morrill for coming out of, uh, he was at Yale, but then he transferred to uh, Denver. I think he could have a very big year. Connor Kears, like you said, going to Rutgers. Um, other guys that might be a little bit, uh, might be more sleepers, Bubba Fairman out of Maryland. He's, uh, he's an attack midi. He could run both ways. Um, I think something we should have touched on was uh, 
Tucker Dorkovic, he actually did get that extra year, year of ed- eligibility. He was listed as a redshirt freshman, so he's got another mm-hmm. year under his belt. Yeah. Um, short stick D middies, there aren't a lot of them, but the, like, the two big ones that do make a lot of noise are uh, Syracuse's Peter Durth. He could run it both ways. Super big, super quick guy. Has a really good step-down shot. Uh, Ohio State's Ryan Terrafanko is a lockdown. He's almost like a I like a consider him like like a defensive back in football. He's locked down. He could take down some of those top middies. Faceoffs, I think you hit it spot on. TD Erlin, uh, Addie Gale, Kyle Gallagher, who's now at Notre Dame. Um, a guy you didn't list, Jacob Fopp out of Syracuse. Really consistent guy. He could really push transi- transition really well. Um, going out of the defense, LSM, you hit you hit it on all cylinders. Uh, JT Giles Harris coming out of Duke, uh, Chris Fake from Yale, um, George Bahan out of uh, Georgetown, first team All American, super big guy, locked down. Um, another guy that might be a sleeper is uh, Arden Cohen out of Notre Dame, very aggressive. He can also push transition as well. Um, another guy is uh, from the LSM position is Ryan McNulty out of Loyola, another big guy, another very aggressive. Uh, aggressive defender and then uh, goalies you uh, you are correct as well with uh, Drake Porter um, another guy Owen McElroy he was a first team All-American out of Georgetown Mike Adler who's transferred to Duke and uh, another guy that potentially could be uh, do some damage maybe if he splits time with Mike Adler is uh, Turner Upgren he uh, he sh- he showed some light even though he did struggle a little bit I think he could uh, I think he could surprise some people in 2021 yeah, no, nah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I was more so going for the uh, the top the top couple names for the categories, but I definitely agree with you with with some of those sleeper guys, um, like um, you mentioned. I'm blanking on it already. Um, um, sorry, Jackson Morrill. Wow, um, who's now at uh, who's now at Denver? Um, I think he's going to pair really well with uh, with Jack Hanna and uh, Ethan Walker, who I believe is staying. Don't uh, don't fact check me on that, but I think he uh, Morrill himself was probably one of the most sought after guys, you know, outside of you know guys like Sowers and uh, and some and the other guys who moved around. Morrill was a really good grab for uh, Coach Tierney, and uh, I agree with you with the shorties. I forgot to mention those guys, uh, but those are probably you know the most clear cut uh, who who will be taken, you know, in either draft. And um, yeah, like we were saying before, you know, it's it's just a really good group with with a good amount of depth um, at pretty much every position. Um, LSM's got a couple, or it's probably a little sparse as well as goalies. But um, yeah, it's it's an exciting group, and it's really interesting to see how they'll fit into the teams who are who are looking to get them, especially when you're looking at teams trying to trade up or or things like that. So uh, it's a little it's a little whiles away, but it's always fun to speculate. Mm-hmm. So the way we're going to do the draft is uh, the draft order will be like how the uh, official PLL standings were from the championship series. So Atlas have the first pick, Water Dogs with the second, Chaos with the third, Redwoods with the fourth, uh, Chrome with the fifth, Archers with the sixth, and Whip, Whip Snakes with the seventh. So uh, Tyler, won't you start it off with the uh, first pick uh, with the Atlas? You know, I see this as sort of like a Zion Williamson situation. Um, I think with number one pick, the Atlas, I don't think you have a choice. I think you have to take Michael Sowers. Um, I think that Rob Pinnell, despite the small sample size, did not really live up to his expectations. And I don't think that his style of play parted with his age, uh, paired with his age, excuse me, um, just isn't quite 
up to speed. Um, and everyone kind of had time to get in shape. He, he certainly was, uh, but it just didn't, it didn't feel uh, that he, he was really all there. And I think that no matter what, whether you move Pinnell to the right, he really has lived behind the cage his whole life, but um, I, maybe they trade him. Maybe they move him if they have an ex- I don't know, but I just think that you can't leave a guy like that to lead that attack unit, given that, you know, the others that really make up it are Eric Law and um, Cloutier. Uh, and, you know, so they, they kind of need – you need that anchor. And I think a guy like that – we saw Grant Ament, who is an ex-attackman, similar in size as well, you know, not a big, overwhelming guy, um, do a lot of damage and that quickness. And we know Michael Sowers is probably a generational talent in terms of his physical, you know, presence. Although not big, he is lightning quick uh, and he has incredible passing uh, abilities. So I think for that reason, for the number one pick – you got to go, you got to go Michael Sowers. And like I was saying before, it can go both ways. Teat and Sowers, I think are equal in my eyes. Um, and I think Teat, it just matters whether you think you, you fit that scheme or not. Uh, so I'm going to personally say Michael Sowers. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. I think you hit it spot on. Like he is a generational ta- talent. You can't pass up on this. I think they can make some uh, moves uh, Atlas for the, uh, for the attack unit. I think, having Sowers at X and maybe putting Pinnell on the right spot and then having Ryan Brown as your uh, lefty step-down shooter. And then I think you got to ship – I think you got to ship either Cloutier or Law out for your fourth attackman. I think both are pretty pretty good players, but I think this attack line is going to have a lot more – is going to do a lot more damage than the previous years. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to start off with the – I'm going to do uh, the Water Dogs pick, I think, just like uh, Tyler said. I'm going to go with Jeff Teat. He's just another guy that you can't pass up on. He's a lefty shooter. He could create space for himself. Um, he's almost like a do-it-all guy. I think he could, if you really want to, if you really want to, you can run him from the box. If you really trust that uh, Ben Reeves is a really good player, well, I mean, Ben Reeves didn't really have such a great championship series. He only had three assists. Didn't really put anything back in uh, in the back of the net. I think it could be a combination of a bunch of stuff. You know, it's a young team, new players. They didn't really get to play with each other. Uh, but there were chances that Ben Reeves did have to uh, score some goals, but he couldn't really capitalize. I think with this pick, uh, with them picking Teat, this creates uh, this creates another threat on offense. Either him being a step down shooter, or creating uh, or dodging from the from the alleys or dodging uh, from the wings. I think he could do a lot of damage in the PLL. Yeah, I think it's similar to Atlas where they lacked sort of just a unity on offense as a whole. They had their moments, but they had at least two games where they had scoring droughts of of almost two plus quarters, and it was just painful. Um, I think, you know, especially with the guys on that offense, Kieran McArdle um, and, you know, a guy guy like him who was on Atlas previously kind of fit in a role. McArdle was their leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken, this year. So Mm -hmm. he was able to step up. Um, but it wasn't quite exactly what he's, what he was used to, um, from the year before. Uh, I think he's okay doing that though. Granted, you know, his, in his MLL days, he kind of was a very consistent scorer, so he can stay doing what he's doing. But I think a guy like Ryan Drenner really thrived off of benefiting, you know, off of a, of a, like a complete, uh, offense, but also just another attackman to draw that attention. I don't think, I don't think, uh, they really had that. And Drenner came from a team, the Whip Snakes, with 
a guy like Matt Rambo, uh, who was able to just dish him the ball, or he was sort of not the main focus, which I think kind of fell on him at times. So I think if you had a guy like Teat, um, I think that would probably help him out, especially if you're a lefty, you're throwing that backside skip, right? Turner's a righty. Um, and so that would be, um, I think that would work out really well in his favor. So I think that that could help their attack. Um, possibly, you know, not specifically the midfield, but at least just on the attack, you, you could solve some problems there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you want to go with chaos to the third pick? So the chaos, I think we saw obviously with that unreal playoff run and even the championship, I don't think the offense is their issue. I think they'll have time to get used to that and make that work. That just was a lot to do with such a short training camp and such a small sample size of games. So I'm not going to say that they have an issue on offense. I think they no brainer. Um, uh, unless the water dogs don't go this route with the second pick, I think the chaos take uh, TD Yearland. Uh, there's an Albany connection there. Um, granted he was from now on Yale, but there's an Albany connection. And there's also just simply, they have a dire need for a face-off man. I mean, Tommy Kelly was by and far the worst. Um, and you saw it. He did keep them in that championship game. He was making Nardella's life tough, um, which is what he's known to be known to do. He wins the clamp a lot and he ties things up. I just think personally that would solve a lot of their issues. If you're able to give that offense that they have a bunch of possessions, we saw what they could do by hanging, what was it, uh, 18 goals on the Chrome. Um, so I think, uh, you know, defensively, I think they were okay. I think they'll get, they might get Johnny Serdic back. Um, but, you know, it was obviously a loss with Brody Merrill. Um, so I would say maybe, maybe they either t- they either go TD Erlen or they bring in another defender like a, like a Giles Harris or a Jared Connors um, to sort of add to that, you know, a guy who can push the transition, also a very good defender, you know, just to kind of help that out because we saw their defense, you know, with guys getting injured here and there uh, and what have you, um, that they were struggling a little bit. But their shorties are good. Uh, their midfield is great and their attack is good. They have the best goalie in the world. So I think they either got to go a Fogo route or defense, but for now I'm going to say TD Erlen. I think, I think you're right on some parts. Uh, they did really struggle at the face-off backs. I, think, I don't think it was just uh, – I think Tommy Kelly, he is a vet in the uh, professional level. Maybe it was just an off year for him or maybe he just like wasn't feeling it. Maybe it was like a ke- team chemistry thing. I think that is a good pick with the chaos getting TD Erland. He's by far most the best, uh, best face-off guy in this draft and potentially one of the best college face-off guys of all time. You know, they could use some de- uh, another like uh, top player on defense, like you said, J- JT Giles Harris or Jared Connors. But I think you hit it with, uh, uh, with chaos go with TD Erland. I think, I think it works. I think, I mean, Kelly wasn't, wasn't outstanding in 2019 either. I think he is just getting a little older and it's just, it, it showed, especially in this tournament, it was just like game after game, just such a, such a low percentage um, that, you know, why wouldn't you? It's sort of like, kind of like Atlas at one. It's like, you know what, if you have an issue with that and you never want to worry about it, um, just take him. And if you have that pick, just do it while you got it. Yep. All right, I'll do uh, the Redwoods with the fourth pick. So I think the Redwoods have the same issue with the chaos. They went 36% from the faceoff X, and I think they have to take the second best faceoff guy in the draft, which is Kyle Gallagher. Kyle Gallagher did give uh, 
TD Earl and bunch of tough to- uh, bunch of tough games at uh, at Yale when he played for Penn. He uh, even got TD's number a bunch of a bunch of games. He went over sixty percent against him. He's a really tough guy. He's a really gritty uh, face uh, face off guy. He uh, he can push transition really well. He knows how to create uh, create space for his wings. He knows how to move the ball, even if he's uh, not just taking faceoffs. I think I think this is what the Redwoods need in order for them to win next year. He's got the Notre Dame connection now too, so it almost feels like they have to take him because he's from Notre Dame. Um, he's uh, I, I agree. I think it, it's tough because they just used one of their you know one of their two draft picks this year on um, Peyton Smith, who at times I think looked fine um obviously percentage wise they both were a little a little shaky they were probably right above kelly in terms of overall in the tournament uh i think Pascolgian, uh the other faceoff man for them struggled a little more and he was the entry draft pick um i could see i could see him possibly getting the boot maybe i mean I, it, it just depends on what kind of season they have where you want to carry three faceoff guys um you know, maybe you keep one, maybe you keep a Skoljian because he's a veteran um, and you maybe have Smith and say this Gallagher battle it out for the second spot. You know, it, it's interesting. I agree because it was, it was a struggle for them. Um, and I definitely would have helped them out considering their defense was so good, but their offense was just abysmal at times. Um, so it feels like if you could solve that problem and give the offense, even if it was weak, the ball a bunch, you know, eventually they're going to score. So I agree with you there. It's just, it's, a, it's troubling because they just brought in these two guys last year specifically because they lost Greg B. So it's an interesting one. Um, I would wonder how coach St. Laurent goes about that. Um, who would you say other than Gallagher? Um, so I'm still thinking about this like right now, because I'm not sure. Do we know if Jules Henningberg is going to return next year? Right. So that's another big thing. Maybe you need another initiator at offense, maybe at X. And I was thinking maybe Chris Gray would be a good option for them. You know, he's, he could play almost anywhere on the field. I think he could run through the box or uh, as an ex-attackman. I think that's what they were really missing on offense. You know, I think Miles Jones took a little step back this year. He wasn't really as physical of a Dodger as he usually was. Wasn't making his shots on the run. Um, I think Matt Cavanaugh and Ryder Garnsey need that guy to help create space for them so they could take their step-down shots because I think that's what – Ryder Garnsey is best at like those time room shots. Like uh, you could even see it last year, like Jules Henningberg's like one of the best X attackmen in the league, if not the best. And I think he's just so good at creating space and helping like the, the dodge, the, the slide come to him that just creates uh create space for his, uh, for his teammates. Yeah. I think, I think you could notice the absence of Henningberg. Um, you know, I think I, I, I agree. Cause I think at times Garnsey was trying to do too much Kavanaugh at, Kavanaugh's capable, but it was tough when he was being keyed in on, uh, especially. I think their midfield needs the biggest bolstering. So I think I would – I personally would say they go with somebody like uh, Trimboli or, you know, Morrill because, honestly, they had no production from their midfield. Sergio Perkovic was basically an outlier. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I don't – I was not impressed by Miles Jones. I didn't think he did great. I think Sergio Perkovic is really only good for shooting twos. And I don't even know who's a Joe Walters was there other, like, you know, they, they really, really lacked a midfield. So I think at, at, if not a face-off guy, they go with another midfielder, hoping they get Hennenberg back with this uh, wild injury. Yeah. 
I agree. I was thinking maybe Mac O'Keefe, but like he's too much of a step down shooter and they kind of already got that in Perkovic. They yeah. need a guy who could dodge, like dodge from up top, like draw the slide, like help draw the slide for like Garnsey or Kavanaugh to like get those yeah. inside shots and feeds. I agree. Um, all right. You want to do Chrome? Chrome at number five. Let's see the team that I said I like, so I should know everything. They've got – I think they solved their issues on defense. Um, I think they could possibly use some help at close. I don't know if Fletcher is going to come back again or Manley, I'm sorry. Um, I remember actually I was on the turf with, um, with John Rannigan because uh, he still shoots at our, our high school turf uh, when he's home, which I think is awesome. But he was mentioning that they like had to call and, uh, and, get, and get Mike Manley to, uh, to help him out. And, and come back and play again uh, because of the whole tournament and the limited roster. Um, so hopefully he's there again. I liked him, but, you know, maybe they could use more depth defensively. I think they've got really good poles between Reese Eddie and Eli Salama. They're both great. Um, their wing play, et cetera, obviously is an extension of that. I think Connor Farrell is fine. Um, I think Galloway, like, you could maybe in the later rounds go a goalie. So I'm not going to say that first round by any means. Um, I think they could use, I think they could use somebody like, um, like maybe a a Nick Cardile or a Chris fake. Um, You know, it couldn't hurt to have another midfielder um, just with Ned Crotty getting a little older and and you want a little more depth because they kind of had a lot of two way guys as their second midline. You know, you had guys like Jesse King, who was great. Uh, Brendan Kavanaugh, who's like a, a little a spark plug, super fast feet, um, can let it fly. But he, he was kind of getting uh, – he didn't get to shoot a, a ton, but he, he was a threat when he had a shorty on him. So I honestly really like a lot of their team. Um, I just think they possibly go for midfield. So, you know, kind of one of the – you know, similar to what I was arguing with, you know, the Redwoods possibly or even the uh, – even the um, – or the Water Dogs, I think. You know, they could use um, kind of like a really key guy from the midfield, you know, to add to, you know, uh, a karate and to um, McIntosh as well. You know, somebody like maybe Curry, Brendan Curry, who's uh, super fast, you know, Tromboli, kind of just going with, you know, who is available in terms of best, you know, midfielders, Jack Kelly, Bubba Fairman, someone like that. Um, if they had – if they wanted to go a defensive route – you know, uh, you know, I kind of said that earlier, you know, sort of like a best available at that point, you know, depending on what other teams do. I don't think they need any more polls. You could maybe say a specific short stick defenseman, just because a lot of those teams have guys like that. Like you've got, you know, uh, Tyson Bell, you've got Pat Harbison, you know, DiNapoli, um, uh, who's on the, uh, you know, like Jack Near, uh-huh. um, the Atlas have got um, – well, they did have DiNapoli, um, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, I, don't keep, I don't have to keep rambling, but you get it. So I think they could actually even go with somebody like Dirth, who just adds another two-way aspect to it, but is a little more offensive-minded um, uh, like that, or, you know, just a, just a plain old midfielder. Just um, I, I, I think overall it, it couldn't hurt him to do that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I'm going to say. It, it was uh, working through that. I really do think a lot of their team is good. Um, it just came down to having a lot of new guys in a short amount of time, and they still had a lot of success. Um, if you want, you can argue me on uh, on getting a, another goalie. 
um, to at least anticipate Galloway just going and staying with coaching eventually. Um, but I think that's for something down the road. So that's what I'll go with for, for Chrome. I, I'll say somebody like, uh, like Tarafenko or Jamie Tromboli or a best available midfielder. All right. I see where you're coming from. So like, it's almost like planning for the future a little bit, just to make sure you have like a new midfield coming in, like a new, like healthy midfield coming in. Like statistically, uh, Chrome were the wor- like Chrome were the- was the worst defensively and caused turnovers, ground balls, and etc. I think they really do need like just another lockdown defender, whether it's whoever, um, whether it's JT Giles Harris or Jared Connors, who are the top two defenders in the class. Whichever one goes first, I think they're going to need to pick up one of those guys. But I do see, I do see where you're coming from that potentially they could pick up sec- like a defensive guy in the second round since there are a lot of defenders in this class that could help like make an impact on their team. So I agree and I disagree a little bit. Yeah, I was, I'm interested because now I'm looking at the stats now because I didn't think that they were the worst. I mean, it probably hurt them because they lost that last game big because Chrome just decided or chaos decided to just absolutely go off. Um I'm trying to look at the uh, defensive. They were – I'm pretty, no, the Whipsnakes had, had less cause turnovers. But at the same time, you know, look how great, def, how great their defense is. Cause turnovers isn't always a, a telltale sign. Um, they were right in the middle of the pack, I'd say, with ground balls. Um, but they did end up late giving up the most goals per game, which you were right about, um, by just a little bit, which I do think it came from that one – um, that one game they got shelled, but um, that's a fair point. I did mention defense in that beginning uh, rambling, but um, I, I, I can I can agree with you there. I think we can we can uh, we can settle that. You know, they can kind of go either route. Okay, um, but I like I, that's fair. That is fair because because the more I think about it, their LSMs are sort of more. You know, they added Bernhardt, but they kind of didn't really – I'm trying even to think of who their third poll was. Um, so, I don't hate that idea. I can agree with you. All right. I, that's how, I, think, that's, I think it's a better fit for them. Yeah. So, uh, I'll go with Archers. So, I think Archers did have a good year almost. Like, they were pretty solid, like middle of the pack everywhere. Um, I think a big thing they did need was a face-off guy. I think who was it? Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kelly and um, – his name Brendan Fowler. They went like around like 50% at the X. So that could be a need for them. I think there's still a really good guy on the board that I think they should take before anyone else does, which is Mac O'Keefe. I think he's the best step down shooter in this class. I think what was it like 70 goals he had in 2019. I think you could run him either as a lefty step down, uh, step down shooter, or if you want to run him from the box with Tom Schreiber, I think that'd make a really good duo, especially since Tom Schreiber is such a good, uh, such a good uh, dodger and passer. Same with Grant Amon. And you have the chemistry of Grant Amon and uh, Grant Amon and Mac O'Keefe back there. So I think that could make like a really good duo as well. Um, I know Will Manny is a really good player, but maybe you could see him being shipped off to another team. And I think they should still keep Marcus Holman, even, even if they do bring in Mac O'Keefe. I think he's a really good off-ball player. And they also have Christian Mazzone, who's a really good player, who gets like those, uh, what's it called, like, goals like after like uh like rebound goals which like which is a good thing to have almost like a crease crease attackman interesting okay um i think they've got plenty of guys i think they i don't want to say plenty but i think they're okay with shooting i think their offense at times looked really really good 
I think it, I think because um, I like the addition of Ambler, but I think teams were more focused on him because he was an attackman. So they knew him having a shorty was, you know, something they needed to watch out for. Mazone was probably the biggest surprise of that team. He was just like very, very efficient um, and, and pick, pick, sort of picking and choosing of when he, uh, he attacked. Uh, but I think kind of those guys like Ian McKay and Josh Courier didn't quite perform how they, how they felt maybe. You know, McKay's a really good shooter. You saw that the few times he did put one in the back of the net. But I think they could use just sort of a, another overall midfielder so Tom Shriver's not doing it himself really. Uh, because then you have Christian Mazzone, like I just said, and then Ambler, uh, who were, you know, nine points, nine points respectively, which isn't terrible by any means. But then the jump for Schreiber to be 16 as their their leading guy, and then, you know, Granny meant behind. So I think just adding another overall, you know, midfielder can't hurt them. I think a short, like a shorty D midi can't hurt them either. I know they have Dom Alexander, but I think Mark McNeil's getting a little old. Um and uh, I, th- I also think that they could also they could use faceoffs for sure. I think their goalie situation is okay, to be honest. Um, I think what they what they do is okay there. Um, I don't think they need attack, despite Marcus Holman struggling. I think it was really just because he realized he didn't need to be the guy that he was last year, because uh, they're so focused on Amen uh, and kind of those backside and and all of his passes. So I think just another guy who can. Uh, can sort of um, just do it all from the midfield. So it'll take away from, uh, from Schreiber having to, to do it all uh, from that spot, because other than that, you didn't have a lot of ball dominant guys, sort of just role players and then shooters. So I'll probably lean more towards just a, a, a solid midi. Um, and then right behind that, I would say, um, or I would say face-offs for sure. And then possibly a midfielder. So would you say like maybe Jamie Trimboli or uh... yeah, someone like like again at this point because we're like seven picks in, I'd say the best available whoever is you know still available at that point. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, you could go with the whips. So the whips at number seven. I mean, who is the guy that I choose here going to end up being the MVP? Because my God, you know they get they had the what the sixth pick in the in the uh, entry, and they get uh they get Zed Williams. Um, I think the whip snakes, um, quite, I think they go for, um, I mean, I pretty much depth. I would say midfield depth because outside of a few of their guys, uh, at the midfield, um, it was kind of like very, it was balanced, but it wasn't a lot like, Shannon Chuck and John Hawes was really it, but then Joe Lacasio, Max Tuttle, and Jeremy Sieverts had eight point nine points combined. So I think I, uh, John Hawes is fantastic, and Shannon Chuck sort of still brings that deep threat um, of shooting. So he's really valuable in that regard, but he rarely ever dodges. He's really uh, fights for his his shooting hand and just lets it rip, uh, or he they they find him naked, you know, backside, and he and he doesn't miss. So I think they need sort of uh, depth at the least, but sort of just another do-it-all, just sort of another midfielder. I think that would really make him dangerous because you have someone like Brad Smith who can do that too. Um, But at the same time, I think he can can also be at attack. Jay Carlson seems to be the guy doing that down there. Um, 
I think Brad Smith. I you know what actually. Hmm. Because Brad Smith had 15 points, I think he could. Uh, I think he can fill that midfield spot, but I still think depth there would be good. Um, because even then, they have basically three attackmen. I don't think Dylan Maltz. Maybe I don't know if Dylan Maltz is going to be there again. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't play during the championship series. He didn't play at all, so I don't know. I don't think you want to just leave your three attackmen by themselves with just Brad Smith, who's bouncing between both. Um, so Maybe I think. Maybe like guy like yeah, that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know that that's that's interesting and in trying to put a name to it. Somebody like Leclerc, I think works. Um, you know, I, I think you know maybe even um, you know I, I would say that's probably actually probably the best fit. You know, someone like him, maybe Bubba Fairman, because there's that that whole Maryland connection. So he he could probably slide into that and and uh, and fit in uh, pretty easily. Um, even um, Yeah, I guess by be, those guys being taken, I, I'm probably going to go with Trey LeClaire. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. That, that's probably who I was going to go with. Um, probably him or, or Bubba Fairman. I think that's that's really all they need. I mean, their defense has no issues. They've got a the second-best goalie, and they have an outstanding face-off guy. Their wings, their poles, everything is fine. So it's really just a depth thing for, you know, now that they've repeated. I think that's not a far, far, far off to say. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I was just going to – I put down, like – I didn't even put down a player on my sheet of paper. I <laughs> yeah, wrote, like I – that's why I, I was just, just rambling there. Like, I don't really know. I just wrote MIDI. So, because, like, yeah. I feel like that's all they need. Just, like, one guy who could dodge from, like, up top. Because they didn't really have that, like, person, like, besides maybe Brad Smith. But, like, you could see they struggled from up – like, especially during the uh, championship game. They struggled, like, trying to find that guy who could help dodge from up top if it's not, like – Rambo getting locked down by Jack Rowlett or uh, Zed Williams getting locked down by Jared Newman. They just need a guy like whoever, like let's say Ryan, uh, Trey LeClaire, Bubba Fairman, maybe even Jack Kelly, just a guy that could help dodge from up top just to like get yeah. some of the, get some of the pressure off of Rambo and Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think Hawes can, can do that for them, but not all the time. And then obviously, like I was saying about Shannon Chuck, you know, doesn't really ever dodge. So I think they, I think it, it cannot hurt them to have another guy like that. So that's, uh, I think we're both on the same page there. So I think that's, I think that's where the whips will go at the, at the bottom of the draft. Maybe you could like, you could play like the uh, point, like maybe they want to build some more depth to their depth to their uh, defense, have like a fifth, uh, a fifth defender that could like, if they could run two LSMs with Earhart, maybe you could see if JT Giles Harris or Jared Connors is still on the board, maybe like a George Ballhan who could like help, like if Earhart ever gets tired or like one guy goes down because having just four guys and not really having any depth back there really could help like especially if there's injury or fatigue or like someone's not playing well just to have just another consistent guy come off the bench or run two LSMs if you really want to yeah and when you think about injury um obviously this tournament that was a really big like I wouldn't say an issue but it was a thought you know hopefully this guy doesn't go down because we only have so many guys but even just in a normal season if that is the case next summer I'm hoping uh, but even then, you know, just for the sake of defense, you know, you always want a ton of poles. Um, so I, I, I think that's a valid point too, is if, you know, one of these guys like, you know, Matt Dunn or Tim Muller goes down, you know, crap, you know, that still leaves two really good defensemen left, but you know, 
you know, you don't want that third spot to be, you know, a weak link. So I can, I can agree with you on that thought as well. So uh, you just want to do a quick recap of the uh, first round, see who like we could go with at each pick, just kind of agree. So we said Sowers, definitely for the Atlas. Uh, Water Dogs, T. Chaos, definitely going to go with TD. Uh, Redwoods, uh, who did I say? Kyle Gallagher. Uh, Chrome, we decided on de- defenseman. They took the first defender. Do you think it'll be Jared Connors or JT Dallas-Harris? Um. Interesting. You know, only because we aren't entirely sure what Giles Harris is like doing is I don't know if he's using that year, if he's going to play football um, or just playing like, um, I don't know for now. I'll, I'll still pretend like he's there. I think they'll go with him just to get another really good lockdown, like heavyweight guy. Um, I think Jared Connors could get picked by the time Chrome goes. So that's why I'll say him. Because uh, I think Connors might be valued more overall. Yeah, I I agree. And then Archers, uh, who'd we say? We said Trey Leclaire, and then Whip Snakes. It was just to build depth. You wanna? Who'd we say? Uh, oh no, who'd we say for the Archers? Uh, Jamie Tremboli. Yes, yeah, just similar ideas. The Whips, just kind of like another saw overall midi to help out. Um, what's his name? Or a faceoff guy. Yeah, or a faceoff guy too, and they could go with. Uh, Either Jacob Fop, J- Jacob Fop, or uh, Gerard Arceri, and then yeah. Whip Snakes, almost the same deal. They just need some depth. Depth. Jeez, I can't speak today. Uh, Trey Leclerc, I think, would be a good guy for them. He could run either attack or midi. He has a really good step down shot. He could help dodge from up top too. And this is just the first round. We got to like, we're not going to go do a second round, but like, we'll just say like names that are still on the board. We got uh, Chris Gray. Uh, who else? Jackson Morrill. Charlie Bertrand, uh, Jake Carroll. Uh, another guy, Arden Cohen, big defender. Uh, D. Mitty, Roman Buglisi, uh, face-off guy, Bailey Savio. And one of the Robertson twins, Matt Moore. I think we forgot to mention him today. He's a really oh, good yeah. guy. He could, There's uh, a ton of attackmen to choose from. Tahoka Nanakoke will be a senior, depending on if he chooses to use an extra year or not. But Tahoka is still there on the board. Uh, Ethan Walker, if he did return, Jack Hanna, Wisnowskis, as we already said earlier. So there's a ton of attackmen. Uh, midfield is is, uh, is 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 almost there as well. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I think there's some guys that they could also pick up if they don't go draft, maybe like a guy like Connor DeSimone, who's had some off years, but he had a pretty solid freshman year. Maybe Tohoka, if he does play, he could – you could potentially see him go play in the box game. I think he's a big box player as well. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of stuff like the, uh, that the teams could work with in the second, third, and fourth round. Yeah, I think among those rounds, you might see some really more strategic picks that will still be really impactful. Like someone like Brett Kennedy, I think, could still be on the board, uh, who I think is the best LSM. So, you know, just because it's the second, third round doesn't mean that, you know, those aren't, key picks because, you know, teams are still addressing or taking who they think they need to get, you know, like kind of how we were saying with TD Erland, you know, you got to, you should just take him because you're there at number three or, you know, Teeter Sowers because you're just that high, but, you know, teams eventually still have other needs that they want to get. And you know, if they can get them later on, that's, that's when it's more exciting. So keep, keep your eyes out for, for people like that, uh, especially like goalies later on uh, and all that. So, 
uh, like we said, it's fun to speculate. Uh, it's a, it's a while's away. We'll have to see if there's even going to be, you know, another team added. So that's going to throw off projected rosters and then, you know, what teams are then looking for to help. So it's uh it's a, it's a puzzle. It is. And that's why it's way too early PLL mock draft, but we haven't even seen a seat full season yet in over a year. So it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully there is a season this year. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting with all these like almost super teams with Duke having so many players coming back and then having the addition of Sowers and uh, number one freshman in the class, Brendan O'Neill. It's going to be very interesting to watch. You got Syracuse, almost their entire team's coming back. Uh, some sleepers, Denver having a bunch of players like Jackson Morrow, Lucas Kotler, like we said, Jack Hanna, and like someone that wasn't really named last year, Ethan Walker, another big uh, lefty shooter. So I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, NCAA lacrosse season in 2021. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so am I. I'm, I'm eager. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm waiting on it. So that's, uh, that's all we can do, sit and wait. Thank you so much, Tyler, for coming on. Uh, make sure everyone go make sure to go follow uh, Tyler's podcast it's called the Behind the Back Pod. Really good podcast. He sits down with some of the uh, game's best players and discusses a bunch of stuff with them from lacrosse, just uh, basic stuff of life. Thank you so much, Tyler, for coming on. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you a lot. I, I appreciate it. I love, uh, love to uh, be able to help out a fellow guy starting to start up and uh, do a pod of his own. So it's um, a tough time now because we're, we're sort of out of lacrosse. The only thing coming up is the NLL. So it's, uh, it's fun to just have a good conversation now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Have a good day, man. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much.